Hi, I'm Dr. Valina Wright, the host of It's Time You Knew, a podcast aimed at improving the conversations in women's health. One of the most common questions my patients ask is, will chemotherapy cause hair loss? My guest today, Billy Boney, is an award-winning hairstylist from Mario Russo Salon on Newberry Street in Boston. He's going to share with us how he helps his clients cope with temporary hair loss associated with chemotherapy. So, Billy, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. So, women really want to feel well, and they want to look their best. And there's an obvious connection to the two. In your role as a hairstylist, how is it that you best support a woman in achieving her goals with respect to her appearance and health? Well, when a woman comes into the salon, I have about 45 minutes to an hour to make her feel and look her best. Within that time frame, we talk about a variety of things. We talk about family. We talk about work. We talk about children. We talk about all the things that people are going through. And sometimes we can (laughs) solve a lot of the world's problems in about 45 minutes. And usually... um, (laughs) I try to make them feel as good as possible. And when they leave, uh, to feel good and to look good. There's lots of research that shows how you look can really impact your mood. There's research to show that people, for example, with depression, if we change their appearance with cosmetics, even plastic surgery, and then they look at their self and they see a different reflection. It actually changes the way they behave. Do you think that the mind-body connection is really strong and that what you do really has a big impact on some women's from when they come into the salon to when they leave the salon? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been uh, lucky enough to work with all types of women from all different diverse backgrounds. You know, we do women who are out in the job market after being homeless, getting them ready for interviews, making sure that their hair and makeup look nice. Um, And not just look nice, it makes them feel good. When you look your best and feel your best when you're going in for a job interview, or if you're just walking down the street and you don't have a job, as long as you feel good, people can feel that and they see it in you. And that's, you know, part of our job. Love that answer. So... I have to admit to the audience that you and I know each other uh, for many years since I was a resident and I would always be late for my hair appointments and the hairdressers would fire me and you you would always take me no matter how late I showed up for my appointment. (laughs) And so for that, you know, I love you. (laughs) But I want to talk about one other aspect of our relationship, which was kind of interesting to me as a physician. So I was in your chair one day and you were looking at the top of my head and you had a different perspective because it's really hard for us to see the very top of our own heads. I think hairdressers are the only ones that actually see the very top of your head. I mean, you can try with an iPhone if you're looking (laughs) for something, but you really do have a unique perspective on the hair and the scalp. And with that introduction, has there ever been a time when you've been taking care of a client and you've noticed something that's really not normal and you think should be looked at for medical reasons on one of your client's scalps? Yeah, I've, um, I've had a couple of those occasions, uh, you being one of them. 
I always tell clients, uh, especially clients that I've been doing for a long period of time, one of my standing jokes is I know your head better than I know my own head because I'm always looking and doing other people's hair. So when I am doing it, I think a good hairstylist is also not just trying to make things look pretty or making the hair look pretty or straight or make it look blonder or darker with coloring. It's our job to look at the scalp to see if there's any changes, irritation, any redness, moles that weren't there previously or moles that are risen. And we try to tell the client in the most positive way if we think that we see a change in their scalp. So with that being said, there was a day when I was in the chair and you just looked very uncomfortable and you went to get one of your colleagues. And then with her standing by, you told me I had a bald spot on my head. (laughs) Do you remember that? Um, I do. I remember that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to say that was one of my most professional moments because we are also friends. <laughs> but uh, I did notice that there was a, uh, a round spot that I hadn't seen uh, in the previous month on your head. And was it a concern to me? Uh, yeah. Did I think you should know about it? Yes. I think anytime you see a change uh, in someone's skin or in a place that they don't normally see, Uh, you should just let them know in the nicest way possible. So when you told me that, I remember feeling my head and I was like, no, that's just that funny birth injury that I have in the top of my head. But in fact, it actually was a, a medical diagnosis of something called alopecia, which is a medical term just meaning hair loss. The etiology of that is thought to be autoimmune. And the diagnosis is often confirmed by a scalp biopsy. And the treatment that's most effective is usually an injection of a steroid. So it's really not known what the cause is. But after I left, I made an appointment with dermatology, basically, and and got the correct treatment. And fortunately, it resolved. And I just remember thinking, you know, there's nothing that I should worry about enough that is going to cause me to lose my hair. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think, you know, stress often can impact the quality of hair or we know when people undergo extreme stress, there's changes in their hair. Are there any other causes of hair loss that you see in your clients? One of the things that happens is uh, I have women who come in and they suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. They have compulsive disorders where they like to play with one spot in the hair for a prolonged period of time. It's self-soothing. Sometimes they do it at night. It helps them to fall asleep. And what happens is hair falls out if you pull on it too hard, if it's getting too much tension. And they come in and say, hey, what's this? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And I start to have to go over their habits and see and kind of narrow it down. The consultation with a client who comes in starts from the moment that you set eyes on them. When you see a woman who's sitting in the lobby, I'm checking to see all of those things. Is she twirling her hair? Is she fixated on certain parts of her body, mainly her hair, that I can see visually? And when she sits in my chair, those are the first things that we talk about as a concern. So when a woman sits in the chair, she goes, I don't know why I'm losing my hair. But I saw her in the lobby 
or on the elevator coming up and she is twirling compulsively, twirling, twirling, twirling. And I'm like, well, that's one of the reasons that could be that you're losing your hair. So some of the things we have to do, habits that we have to break or even, you know, with therapy to help, you know, reduce uh, hair loss. You know, it's interesting that you say that it can happen at night because at night when we're sleeping, things do happen that we're not really conscious of. Oh, yes. Yeah. We have these things, whether it be, you know, you know, when you're a child, they say count sheep or whatever. If you look at young children, one of the things that a lot of young children do is they twirl their hair when they're trying to self-soothe. And sometimes that, you know, happens all the way up to adulthood. That's fascinating. The other time where we see hair loss sometimes is in newborn babies that are in a crib and their position is constant over a long period of time. So then the bald spots where their scalp is getting pressure from not being turned or moved in the crib at night. And you also will see the same thing with adults. When you are asleep at night, you don't know what's going on, whether you are a hard sleeper or a soft sleeper. With children, we call it kind of cradle cap basically. And what it is, is the constant moving back and forth, your hair touching the pillow, rubbing, rubbing, rubbing. And what causes the hair to become much finer in some spots you lose and have bald spots. The same thing can happen as you're as an adult. The hair really is an appendage of the skin. So in my field as a women's cancer surgeon, many of the patients that I treat may require chemotherapy as part of the treatment. And when women are told about that, often one of their first questions is, doctor, am I going to lose my hair? And as doctors, we sort of see the long game and we don't see the the short game where they're very concerned. It's a real issue that affects their body image. And it also makes their cancer diagnosis more of a public diagnosis. How do you best support a client that knows they're going to have chemotherapy? How do you recommend that they cope with that? I try to put my friend hat on and my professional hat on as well. What I usually do with women, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've had several women who have come in uh, with cancer diagnosis. And one of the first things I tell them to do when they talk about the losing of the hair or they're experiencing the loss of hair in that moment. And this is just as a friend, I tell them, hey, let's cut it all off. You know, I'd rather take the blame as the stylist to shave the head than to have cancer as the blame, you know, as like, you know, you don't, a woman doesn't want to see her hair falling out, nor does a man or anyone wants to see their hair falling out. Um, I say, let's get ahead of it and take control of it and let's do it and try to make them feel the best. And you should feel just as beautiful with bald as you do with hair. I think that's great advice. You know, cancer should never define a person. People are are so much more than a, a cancer diagnosis. And when we focus too much on the cancer and forget about the person, I think it really do a disservice to our patients. When people do uh, lose their hair, though, the head actually is a source of a lot of energy loss. And in New England, (laughs) with our beautiful weather, just temperature regulation can be an issue. So obviously people can choose to wear hats, scarves, wraps, but if they wanted to purchase a wig, 
you know, there's so many different options on, on the market. Women should know, and men, that if you do have hair loss from chemotherapy, a doctor's prescription will cover the cost of some of the hair pieces that you can buy. But that's certainly not my expertise, Billy. Can you tell us what you tell patients that are interested in purchasing a hairpiece? What I tell my clients when it comes to uh, their diagnosis and they are at the stage where they are looking for hair units, I tell them that the best thing to do is to take the advice of your medical professional and what hospital and your insurance, what your insurance will cover. Depending on the person, there are other options out there. Wig technology is amazing these days. I mean, there's so many people like celebrities and people you probably know in your life who are wearing wigs and you don't even know that know that they're wearing wigs or hair pieces. I've had the opportunity to take some clients to uh, wig stores where lace fronts are really, really, really popular right now where you can not even detect uh, that the person is wearing a wig. Also, what I do suggest, if you're going to go the route of insurance, there's nothing wrong with getting a wig and taking it to your hairstylist and having your hairstylist style that wig. No one is more familiar with the way that you wear your hair than your hairstylist. So they do have people who cut the wigs, um, I think, at the hospitals, and I think they do a great job. But no one knows your hair better than your hairstylist. There's nothing wrong with having it taken to your hairstylist and having them cut it because they know what you look like. Also, wigs in the winter versus wigs in the summertime. In the wintertime, human hair wigs are really, really good to wear. In the summertime, those human hair wigs can get very, very hot. Uh, You can also get the same uh, style of wig and you can get it in synthetic. So you can have... Two wigs that look alike, and one is human hair and one is synthetic. The reason why you're going to want to wear the synthetic wig in the summertime is because you get much more ventilation in between the follicles in the wig. So that's why uh, synthetic wigs are really good to wear in the summertime. In the wintertime, much warmer having human hair. Oh, that's good to know. Is there any other difference between synthetic and human hair with respects to maintenance of the wig. For example, my own human hair, I feel sometimes is synthetic because it (laughs) doesn't whatever it wants to do. Um, I've read, but I don't know that the human hair wigs are easier to style. What's, what's your thought about that? So human hair wigs are much easier to style. Uh, you can curl them. Uh, you can actually take them to be washed or wash them yourself. Uh, you can put any types of heat on human hair wigs. Synthetic haired wigs can only take but so much heat. The style that they come in, is it holds that style, but you can't change that style. The parting. Let's say that a woman's natural hair has a really deep, side part. You can't do those with uh, synthetic hair. So those are really important things that women need to know before getting a wig. Knowing what your hair looks like, showing a picture to the person who will be helping you to pick out a new wig. I've been in situations where I've gone to the hospital and uh, consulted with the person who is uh, helping my client with wigs and the outcome has been really successful. 
You mentioned, Billy, that with the human hair, you have to wash the wig. So sort of basic hygiene. Do you have to wash a synthetic wig? Is there any rules to this personal (laughs) hygiene? Well, yes, you're going to have to wash each one of them because what happens is the wear and tear, uh, it helps from uh, keeping your hair looking shiny because it is human hair. So we do need to wash and we need to condition it. You would probably uh, do it probably once a week, I would say. Uh, Whereas a synthetic wig, I would probably say once every other week. The oils build up in these wigs as well, because even though a woman doesn't have hair, she still has hair follicles and she's in it sweats. And, you know, whether, you know, some women have wigs for tennis, some women, you know, have wigs for, you know, when they're going like outdoors hiking or or, or what have you. So those wigs uh, still get sweat and, and things like that. Uh, so the, the wigs do have to be washed. So what's interesting and surprises a lot of women after they've finished their chemotherapy treatment is when hair regrowth starts, it's very different than the hair they were used to before chemo. We call it (laughs) chemo curls. How do you help women manage that hair? And when is it safe for them to start having it styled or, or dyed again? Because the hair is really curly and kinky and doesn't have the same texture for at least three months or so after recovering from chemotherapy. What are your thoughts about that? So I probably will be a little bit more cynical about um, hair growing back for women uh, after chemotherapy because I've heard women come in and say, oh, my hair's grown back uh, differently. It's not the same as it was. One of the things that a lot of people forget, and this is a funny moment, and me and my clients have had many laughs over this, I will say to them, when is the last time you saw your natural color? And they will say to me, they will say to me, um, I think I started coloring my hair when I was about 18. And I'm like, you're now 56. (laughs) If you've had all of these years of color and blow drying and heat and all of these different things on your hair and then... You lose it all, and then you get your natural hair back. Of course, it's going to be a different texture. And then some women, I just let them just you know go with it, and I just say, oh yeah, your hair grew back differently. But we never really know because most women have done so many different things to their hair. Uh, our hairs are our, our, our crown and glory, so we always want to make sure that it looks good. So I say, well, however the hair grows back, it's growing back, and just be happy with it. <laughs> Yes, it's definitely a sign of recovery and hope for these women. So we really don't want to downplay that the hair is different, but it it is known to be different because of the way chemotherapy works. But yes, if you ask me what's the natural color of my hair at this point, I don't I don't want to know the answer, Billy. That's between you and me. As far as other types of hair loss, I mean, we covered chemotherapy. There is sort of uh, male pattern baldness and there's an androgenic female pattern sort of baldness as well. Do you have any recommendations as far as how you can help people cope with that type of hair loss or very thin hair? 
Yeah, there are a variety of, of ways and new tech, I mean, new technology, I mean, with hair and hair loss, hair thinning is coming out every day. Uh, I've had women with very, very fine hair sit in my chair asking for recommendations, what to do. Depending on, on the person, there are a lot of different, different methods of helping them to, to achieve the looks they want in their hair. The one thing I want listeners to remember, too, is that if they have hair loss that's new or a change, they really should speak to a dermatologist and get a professional opinion. There are a variety of medications that can promote hair growth. In addition to the more cosmetic ways of dealing with these issues related to our hair. I think, Billy, that that was so informative and I learned a lot just speaking with you tonight, and I'm sure it's really helpful to our listeners. I hope so. And if anyone out there uh, is suffering from any type of hair loss or have lost their hair due to chemotherapy, it gets better. And um, I wish you all the best. Billy, thank you for your sage advice. You're probably not surprised. I didn't realize wigs required regular shampoo, wash, conditioning, just like human hair. In ending, I wanted to make sure both you and our listeners are aware of a relatively new device in the United States approved by the FDA in 2017, referred to as a cooling cap. So the Paxman cooling cap conducted the SCALP trial. SCALP stands for Scalp Cooling Alopecia Prevention Trial that studied in a multi-centered randomized trial, 184 breast cancer patients receiving anthracycline and or taxane for treatment of breast cancer. The intervention group wore a cooling cap during chemotherapy infusion treatments to see if hair could be preserved. The theory behind this was that with a cool cap on your scalp, blood flow would be shunted away from the hair follicles and prevent the side effects of chemotherapy from causing damage to the hair follicle and therefore preventing hair loss. In the intervention arm, approximately 50% of the women did have hair preservation, not always to the extent where it prevented the need for a wig or a head covering of some sort, but it was successful relative to the control group where no women had hair preservation. Importantly, there were no scalp metastases or meaning cancer recurrence in the scalp of those that underwent this treatment. So if you're interested in learning more about the cooling caps, the Paxman website is www.coldcap.com. In addition, there's a blog with frequently asked questions and a video demonstrating the cooling cap and how it works. So coldcaphair.com. So it's Valina Wright. It's Time You Knew, Episode 3. Our crown and glory, my guest, Billy Boney from Mario Russo Hair Salon on Newberry Street in Boston. Again, Billy, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your wisdom. Have a great evening.